one of the Wright brothers that said you can either sit on a horse for four hours and take notes of how to ride it, or you can just jump on the horse and for four hours try to figure out uh, how to stay on. And I think I subscribe to the to the latter. And I'd rather be doing the thing and failing rather than studying for a long time and then doing it quickly. I I, I enjoy it more when I'm doing like when I'm even if I'm failing. I just I can't sit still forever and learn it inside out. And I don't know if that's a flaw. That's just how I am. But I don't enjoy sitting and studying for long for a long time. I'd rather do get my hands dirty and just do it. Welcome to the Father and Son Podcast, where my father and I discuss anything that's been in our minds lately. In this week's episode, we're discussing learning on the fly and how we can help you. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified whenever we release a new episode. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Baba. Hey, Yusuf. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. How are you feeling? I feel fantastic. How about you? Feeling great, thanks. What's on your mind today? So this is episode 11, and I thought it was a good time for us to just revisit why we're doing this. Why we're we recording podcasts? Why we're we recording podcasts. What, why, why are we doing it, and what's the goal? So I think, so we started this podcast because... We wanted, we wanted to have more regular conversations, right? And we felt doing this, it was a good way for us to have more conversations and it's a bonding experience, essentially. And so we're now on our 11th episode. We've done 10 other podcasts. And I think we've gotten into the habit of now having these discussions. Regular, basically, every week we now sit down and have this discussion. And it's, I'm not going to say it's therapy. It's not, like I have, it's not like I have trauma with Boba, but it's a good way of, for us to create a kind of pattern from from even from when we're not doing podcasts in the future for how I don't know how long this is going to last but when we're not we can still have these discussions because we, we've set up a scaffold to support these discussions so I think that's why we started and it's going great uh, I think now we I think we I think that's the whole point of this podcast I think that's our whole intention is just for me and you to have a discussion, or you and I to have a discussion, and people can listen. So that's my point of view of why we're doing this podcast. What do you think? Yeah, for me, it was exactly as you said, a long-form discussion with you. Be That's not our normal discussion, which is, hey, Yusuf, how's it going? And you're like, oh, it's good. Basically, most of our conversations are like the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, good. Okay. And... For some reason, whenever I don't want to talk is when you want to talk. <laughs> and so this has been nice to explore different subjects. Obviously, it's not completely natural what yeah. we're doing. <laughs> At least uh, I'm aware that people are listening. And so to a certain extent, there is an observer effect where I'm, we're changing. Let's just say we're not 100% authentic. The, way, uh, the topics we're talking about are authentic, but the way we're talking is inauthentic. I don't want to say it's completely inauthentic, but it's not completely authentic. I think that's okay. I'd rather I'd rather this and it be modulated slightly than no conversation at all. And so for me, it's been a success. And 
I, I wanted at this point because it's been like three months that we just revisit why why we're doing what we're doing because I found our both of us looking at the numbers now and the growth and although it's still tiny but there's still there's growth and we start because of my job and how i operate start, start setting growth objectives and things like that and what happens if we listen hit these many listeners and i don't know if it's entirely about that yeah at least for me it's not like i don't know about you is your objective that this podcast gets eventually sponsored by Squarespace that we have to break for Squarespace ads. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think. I mean, that would be very cool, but that's not. I don't think that's my goal for the podcast. It would be very cool for that if that happened, but I don't expect that to happen. Well, I, so I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't. I don't think you just. Well, I I don't know. I don't know if you I'm did. not expecting this podcast to be in place of my of a day job in five years I'm, i don't expect this to be a source of income i maybe will make ten dollars an episode but i don't expect it in the future but i don't expect it to be a major source of income so m- money and fame isn't a a big factor in it because i honestly don't i don't think that it will come from the podcast i think this podcast is solely for me and you to talk and whoever wants to listen can listen okay so that, that that's same for me so a couple of reasons while we're renewing the intention of why we're doing this podcast is so I wanted a as you said a weekly conversation where we talk about ideas and it's been very rewarding for me and I've learned from you and I've liked to explore some of these ideas and so that's that's been actually quite quite good but then the other reason I wanted to do this was to build consistency in what we do so as we've discussed on the podcast, we start things, you and I, and we just are not consistent with them. So this year, one of my goals in 2021 is have consistent practices, whether they be writing this podcast. And so I'm very happy. And in many ways, we're meeting this objective that of, of being consistent in uploads because we're learning that it's, it's actually not easy to do a podcast. You don't feel like every day sitting in front of a microphone and talking about things yeah so in both of those having meaningful conversations with you and um and uh consistency i've been very happy but another thing that i've been really really happy with and really surprised is are some of the people that we've lost touch with have been reaching out to us with really interesting feedback and comments yeah to be honest that's that's been one of my favorite i think it's probably been my favorite part of the podcast it's awesome talking to you but i can't tell you how much it meant to somebody i've never spoken to them but i I, i've said hi once or twice and they're they're part of our family they're part of our family like we're like we should be in touch with them more they reached out to me and completely out of the blue i had no idea they were listening and they reached out to me and told me like they were listening to the podcast and it really, really meant a lot to me, and that like it really made me say, okay, I'm not gonna stop doing this podcast. Like this podcast is gonna keep going because I saw that people were listening to it. It's awesome. Okay, I just wanted to take some time to just run through this exercise, and so th- what I want to talk to you about today is a concept that's really near and dear to my heart, which is what I think is the most important skill I have. And I'm always working on and I'm always refining 
that have served me in my life thus far and probably the single most important skill I try and actively work on instilling in my children above all else and that's the ability to learn or meta learning or it's has many names uh, learning fast etc but the ability to acquire a skill quickly learning on the fly learning on the fly just in time learning it has many many names because i i think that the rate of change it's not that i think the rate of change is moving so non-linearly you know everything is changing constantly you know you have one second it's even on the social media front it seems like there's a, a new social media platform every 20 minutes there's now clubhouse where you can go in random rooms and talk to people and you know tiktok and then technology and machine learning and cryptocurrencies and programming and even with the covid world so many things are accelerating the need to learn and i think being able to learn very very quickly is the most important skill to have and that's what i wanted to talk to you about this this podcast so yeah i mean we can see it even now having to learn having to learn by yourself learning on the fly it's becoming the new norm we, if you look at my friends or even me with with doing school online now you no longer have a teacher to hold your hand while they're still there they're very much restricted in what they can do for you now they can't they don't have it's not that same atmosphere a lot a lot of my friends are basically they're they're learning with the teacher but most of the time they're learning by themselves they're taking the concepts and they're doing a lot of work by themselves. They're teaching themselves. So I think now the world is slowly phasing away from whatever it was before to now having to learn very quickly and adapt. Yeah, what's referred to as the sage on the stage. You have a smart person on the stage talking to a bunch of people. And I think people are adapting. I think the, uh, the newer generation is learning much quicker, but... I think you have to stop and actually think how is it that you learn and how do you learn best? For example, what's the last thing that you've, what's the last meaningful skill that you've learned? That um, It can be anything. It can be anything that you've actually l learned, a new skill that you've learned. How to edit this podcast well and how to, <laughs> the, the most useful thing I've learned is how to silence parts of audio. So okay, so you've learned you've learned that skill. How did you learn? Um, it was it was it was because we were recording this podcast and there were pockets of audio. For uh, and say why how? Oh. All right. Um, I went to YouTube and I googled it and I YouTubed it and I just followed what the guy was saying. Okay, so there's a pattern here. You had a need to silence X, and so you went to YouTube, and you uh, learned how to do it. How else? How else can I learn? No, or? How, what else did you do to learn to edit? Um, a lot of it was actually just... I was <laughs> That was the only time I went online and tried to find the, the, the answer. The rest, I just played around with it for a while until I figured out how to do the things I wanted to do, like fading in and fading out. I just went to all the different tabs and figured it out. Okay, and... So you had a need and you went and you YouTubed and you searched and you figured it out. And I'm sure part of it is also asking people who've done it, like Unais, for example. Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. And 
so that's when it was successful. When do you, what are patterns when you unsuccessfully learn? When you just don't learn the thing? When I don't learn the thing, this this in editing or everything? Or just in life, in any skill. Like the last skill, like, you know what? Just didn't pick it up. So I can't remember a specific skill, but I remember subject. I remember subject. I remember even in times when I'm, whenever I'm learning. This hasn't happened for a while, but whenever it does happen, it's usually because whenever I'm learning, if I'm learning something, and there is some sort of teacher who is just trying to go through the information, not even teacher, tutor, whatever, trying to get through the information, I find that it doesn't benefit me. I find that it kind of creates a it kind of creates somewhat of a problem for me because they're trying to get through this information and I'm usually a quick learner but there are times when I'm not and I can't grasp what's I can't like pick up the knowledge that I need to so it just completely goes over my head and I end up just nodding and saying yeah I get it I get it even when I don't get it so when somebody's just explaining a subject and and going through points you're just going through the workbook and just trying to get get it over within that hour so they can leave Okay, so that that's a pattern that doesn't work for you. It hasn't happened recently, but that's when I can remember it not so working. Let me give you another. Let me ask you another question to try to establish how you learn. So before moving to Turkey, we tried for years to teach you Arabic. Teachers <laughs> on Zoom on you. Uh, well, there was no Zoom back then. It was Skype and local teachers, and we tried, and, and it didn't work. In Turkey, you became one of the best in the class what was different why did you not succeed in one mode but succeeded and thrived in another um you also we have to like remember that i was doing like two classes a week for an hour on skype but coming to turkey now i was doing five classes a week for three hours a day and there was homework and all of that so there was an added level of pressure and i think it was also the first time i'd ever been in a class where i was judged against others so you can remember in the beginning like i didn't like I, i'm not gonna say i didn't care but i wasn't trying as hard because i didn't fully under like i didn't realize that i'm gonna be going against like the other students so i just kind of went with it and then when the first the first midterms happened and i realized wow my grades are judged against other people's as well. So that kind of, I didn't like not being, not being, I don't know, I'm not gonna say not being the best in the class, but not being up there in the class. I would I didn't want to be mediocre, even below mediocre. So that kind of drove me to try harder and become better. So you need, you don't need, it's not. I just don't, I don't like being a loser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's not, I, I didn't care what, they thought it was because they didn't know my so grades. It wasn't about Arabic in of itself. It was. It, it could have been, could have been physics or Tai Chi. It would, it, it's easier. If, it was just wanting to be better than the other people in the class. Interesting. And so, the the major difference between not learning Arabic before and learning Arabic now was how often you did it, how often I did it, and who I did and who I did it with. So do you feel like you learn better in a social environment or do you learn better by yourself? It dep- it honestly depends. Most of the time I learn better by myself because I'm not bullied down by other people. But in these classes it was much different because these people were they're they're one they're much older than me and two they're much much smarter than me. 
the people going to Harvard and who, who, like who, wherever else. And these people are very smart. So that drove me to try to be better. And I think that was a big difference. But most of the time, being in a class doesn't do anything because I'm not it's i'm not usually surrounded by people who are, i'm not gonna say they're not they're not i'm not say they're not smarter than me but they don't strive they don't care they're just they're just in the class you know what i mean so i think that's one of the big differences everybody that was there wanted to be there has signed up by themselves in a normal school or in a normal class there because their parents signed them up so that was a big difference for me and, and are there subjects that come naturally to you and subjects that you struggle with Subjects that come na- subjects that I'm interested so subjects that come naturally to, naturally to me are subjects that I'm interested in. So history, physics to an extent, I was very interested in that. Um, things like that, those came naturally to me because I was really interested in it. And a lot of the time, I've read a lot before I actually done the subject. So history, I've been reading like like history books since I was however seven, maybe eight. And when I actually started learning history, I, I came to find that I already knew a lot of this stuff. And physics, physics I didn't read I'm not I didn't read that much physics, but it just found, I just found it very interesting, so it made a lot of sense to me. Uh, Arabic grammar, I didn't do like I before before the, the Arabic uh, classes, I had never done Arabic grammar before. But once we started, I just really loved it. And while a lot of the people around me really struggled with it, I don't know why, but I found that it was really easy and it made a lot of sense to me. Like in my head, I could understand what the teacher was saying and it was very clear. So those are some examples of things that I really enjoyed and thrived in. And what are examples of subjects that you really struggled with? Subjects that I really struggled with are, hmm, I think... I'm trying to think of a subject I struggled with. I can only think of su- I don't I never, I can I don't remember any sh- subjects that I struggled with. I can only remember subjects that I wasn't interested in. So for instance, um most maths I'm not that interested in, so I find it hard to be motivated. Um when I put my head down, I can be as good as I want to be with maths, but most of the time I just don't find myself motivated to do them. So it's harder for me to pick it up like other people are picking it up. Okay, so to summarize, if you wanted to learn something or if somebody was to ask you, what's the Yusuf method of rapid learning? It's being interested. The, the first thing is to be interested. The second thing is to be around people who are much smarter than you. Be- and, and make you feel like a loser. Yeah, unless you're okay with feeling like a loser, then it's not going to work for you. No, I'm talking you. Oh, for me, for me, yeah, it's being around people who are much smarter than me and make me feel dumb because when when i when i feel dumb i don't like it like i don't like to feel dumb so i'll try to get to a point where i feel like i can handle myself with them so let's say you're interested in a subject Mm -hmm. football okay um or trading you're really into trading now and you're surrounded by people that make you feel like a loser and you do everything that's required for you to f- become a winner. Do you? What happens then? Do you lose motivation? But I think with football, I just I I Anything. enjoy. I, I w- okay with. It depends. If I enjoy doing the thing, then, and if I know I've done everything, then I'll still try to do more. But I don't think I'd quit because I enjoy doing it. But with some with other things, if I am not 
if I'm doing everything I can and I know I am and I'm not getting anywhere, then I might lose motivation in it. Okay, so so far you have to be interested. You, you, you have to be a loser. Or at least start, start there. Mm-hmm. And you can't have someone just dictating to you. Yeah. Y- you, need your s- you need to yourself discover or to... Is that the right word? Discover or learn or... Pioneer my own path. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, what else? So if you were to pick up a a new subject, if you let's just say you're interested in artificial intelligence. Okay. Or programming a Raspberry Pi to do some sort of project. You have this project where... Um, Let's just say, oh, let's just, in this podcast studio, we want to have a button, a big red button. When we hit the red button, it would put a stay quiet sign in neon outside the door. And that's going to require learning Python or learning some programming language so that you can uh, program an Arduino board or something like that. How do you actually go about learning something? So what I usually do is learn the bare minimum of what I have to learn so that I can get by and then eventually later I'll come back and fix it but when I start I get as little knowledge as I can so I can actually start so when I say so when say with the Python if I had to actually program this I'd only learn the programs that were required for me to start I wouldn't I wouldn't just go about learning the whole of Python and then start. So what motivates me is I th- what would motivate me would be the end goal. And I do anything to get to the end goal. But I do the bare minimum to get to that end goal in in how I've imagined it. I won't like I won't slack on what the end goal is supposed to be. I'll, I'll make sure that what I execute is exactly what I've envisioned or to the best of my ability what I've envisioned. But I'll do the bare minimum to get to that. So you don't you don't find yourself going down rabbit holes? You'll no. You just hack together a solution to make the whole thing work. Yeah. But you're not going to all of a sudden try to learn all Python syntax or APIs or... No, you, I, you, I, don't, I wouldn't do that. Okay. And w- while you're learning something, are you like a... Do you take lots of notes? Do you draw m- pictures? H- how do you retain knowledge? <laughs> what I do is I usually do it side by side. So as I'm learning, I'll be doing the thing at the same time. When 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 it comes times that I I have to, I have to do it later. So I'm learning now. Um, I always start by trying to take notes, but that inevitably fails. So most of the time, I just end up just me- not me- either memorizing it or understanding it enough that I can do it off my head i don't i don't draw pictures i i'll start by taking notes but that will die out so i just most of the time 100 percent of the time i'll just end up uh, either memorizing it or understanding enough that i don't need it or i'll do it halfway forget what i had to do go back figure out what i messed up and then go back to what i was doing but you you don't take careful notes or do you take careful notes no i don't you don't take careful notes and review you notice your mother taking turkish for example takes meticulous she notes takes and meticulous notes and reviews them and reviews them at night that's not the way you learn no so i still don't understand how is it that how you learn something new 
So let's just say math or science. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're learning quadratic equations. And you... Uh, do you practice? Do you just try to retain it all in your head? When I'm learning something like quadratic equations, I'll usually practice a lot. Like I'll do... Like I'll have mama or when the teachers give me a bunch of equations and I usually just do the equations over and over again. So you're all more about... Actually doing the thing, the thing yeah. Then, then trying to understand what is a quadratic equation, what problem you're trying to solve. Like ab- ab- at the abstract level, what is a quadratic equation? That stuff, you don't need that. You just need to learn how to solve the thing. Yeah. I think it was one of the Wright brothers that said you can either sit on a horse for four hours and take notes of how to ride it, or you can just jump on the horse and for four hours try to figure out uh, how to stay on. And I think... I subscribe to the to the latter, and I'd rather be doing the thing and failing rather than studying for a long time and then doing it quickly. I I, I enjoy it more when I'm doing like when I'm do, even if I'm failing. I just I can't sit still forever and learn it inside out. And I don't know if that's a flaw. That's just how I am. But I don't enjoy sitting and studying for long for a long time. I'd rather do get my hands dirty and just do it. So, so far, the use of methods for rapid learning is you have to be interested in something. You have to feel like a loser. You need to pave your own path as opposed to somebody dictating to you what to, how to learn or what to learn. You need the minimum viable knowledge for you to actually be functional, to be able to jump on the horse or program an Arduino board. And then the last is jump on the horse and don't read about. Yeah. Jumping. So don't read a book on learning how to swim. Just jump in the water. I mean, then you might die. But yes. But if most of the time, that's how I do it. Okay. This. This is great. Let me turn the tables. Okay. How do you learn? I. Um, how do I learn? Because my like you've always told me about how when you got your first job at a bank you didn't know how to do anything so you'd go to Barnes and Nobles and study. I think that's a good place to start. I actually for the longest time thought I was dumb because I was bad at, bad in school, and teachers would tell my father, "Your son's in many nice ways. He's not too bright." <laughs> and the principal of my school, I later learned, told my father. Um, that she thinks I'm like a special needs case. That must have hurt when he told you that. He told me later. Oh, it's so like after you left school? Yeah, after I left school. But uh, I knew I was a bad student. And so leaving school, I just thought I was a bad student. I'm just not smart. And so probably one of the most useful things I learned in college was... I was sitting in one of those huge auditoriums and I was struggling to listen to a professor in this massive auditorium. I think she, she was teaching chemistry. It was like 500 people in the auditorium. And I was sitting next to a person to my left and I'd never seen note-taking like that. Because when you learn how to take notes, you just uh, take notes linearly. Mm-hmm. The professor's speaking and you just sit there and you take notes. And like an outline that everyone, everyone's taught to take notes in an outline or, or linearly. And his notes were all over the place. 
and lines and circles and I asked him what is that and he said it's a mind map and what's a mind map and he said and he sat there and showed me how to draw a mind map he put the concept in the middle and it starts branching and you start connecting things and I became obsessed with mind maps because I started understanding things and my brain works very quickly and not in a good way a lot of times it connects to a lot of different disparate things rabbit holes i'm all about the rabbit holes i'm not like you in that i'm not focused on the prize i can just as i'm learning something learn something and then learn something and before i know it on the internet for example i'm looking up um how do chickens lay eggs yeah the mating practices of uh koalas i don't know (laughs) you know (laughs) i'm just all over the place and so my maps lend themselves to that and so that was my first experience in learning how to learn that there's a art to learning not everyone learns in the same way not everyone thrives in the same way and another useful thing i got from college was that later really served me was finding the person that knows the thing and asking them questions. And there are some questions that I have gathered over many, many years. So the first is you find somebody that has really understood something and ideally somebody that it didn't come easy to them. Does that make sense? They had to. They had to work for that knowledge. They had to work for that knowledge. So, uh, an analogy would be, for me, learning to swim from an Olympic athlete would be terrible. You want to learn to swim from somebody who had to go through the process. But doesn't an Olympic athlete have to go through the process? A lot of times, they've learned how to swim when they're like, you know, they they were born and they're thrown in the pool, and then by the time they're four, they're in whatever and yeah, yeah, yeah. It just came naturally to them. Or or they started so young they they don't know why they're so good. And so they'll say, well, you jump in the pool and you swim and then you do intervals. And whereas somebody who learned later in life is a great teacher because they, they've had to, they've, they've walked the path or to take one of your terms, they've um, uh, pioneered they, the path. They pioneered the path and it can save you a lot of time. But that's not probably where I really learned to learn very, very quickly and learned that I can learn anything and or got the confidence to understand to b- truly believe that I can learn anything. And that happened when I was in second year in college. And one of my friends said, we think you should interview for a position at an investment bank. Uh, I told him, I'm a second year college student. And he's like, I think you'll get it. And so I go and I get do this interview and before the interview, I went to Barnes and Nobles because there was no real Googling at that time. For uh, It's not, the world back then in 98, 99 was not like the world. In 21. Yeah. And so the way you learned something was you went to Barnes and Nobles, especially te- a technical skill. And they were these very thick books, learn X in 21 days or 21 hours. And this particular job was to learn something called active server pages, not to learn, to implement something called active server pages. And so I just sat there in Barnes and Nobles reading this book like a novel, not really understanding a lot of it. But but picking up the, picking up the words. Yeah. Just picking up the words. I get to the interview and 
they all assume I'm some young, brilliant prodigy. Techno whiz. I'm a techno whiz, right? Because I'm 21 or 20 and I look like I'm nine. <laughs> you know, I look so young, you know? <laughs> and so they just thought I was some, you know, some prodigy, right? And so they didn't ask me a single technical question. And I got the job. That can't be a very good way to run I a got company. The job. They just assumed that I knew what I was talking about. If you if he even showed up, he must know what he's talking about. Or if he was sent by this company, he must know what he's talking about, etc. And then what would happen was I got I got the job, my parents let me take it, but long story short, I ended up doing the job. Right? That's a, a story for another day. I ended up taking the job. And it wasn't it was for a lot of money for me. It was just so much money that I didn't even know or fathom what to do with it because back then i used to tell myself if i ever make x amount of money i'm gonna be rich and this was like double that number <laughs> it's double the most i thought i was ever gonna make because i didn't i didn't have a sense of money back then this was your first corporate job this was my first yeah i mean it went from delivering bagels to working in an investment bank or and one of the biggest investment banks in the world developing things and so but th this is where the rapid learning came in and so my manager would tell me things like, can you implement X, Y, and Z? Can you build us this thing? I would have no idea of the words coming out of their mouth. And of course you just say, yeah, sure, no problem. I would write it down. I would write it down, what they asked me. And then I would go back to Barnes and Nobles mm -hmm. and I would just study. Similar to what you said before, just you're trying to get to that goal as quickly as possible. Exactly. Without, you're not you're not going to try and learn how what active system pages are. Active and server pages. No, server. I'm just. How do I solve this particular problem? So I don't get fired. So I don't get I don't get found out that I don't know anything. But what ended up happening was I became very very good at understanding what they want, and then learning how to do and then implementing it. And that feedback cycle kept on getting shorter and shorter and shorter to where I was viewed as a whiz kid. Because eventually you've picked up so much knowledge that you are. Now, had anyone looked at my code, they would have probably thrown up. Because one of the artifacts of being a hacker, which I was hacking things together, is that it's inelegant. It looks like it's. It looks like Frankenstein. Yeah, it's Frankenstein, Frankenstein was hacked together. It, yes, it, it's Frankenstein code, but it worked and it came to life. It's right? alive. It was alive and it served its purpose. And then on top of it, I took pains to understand what the requester really wanted, so they felt heard. And when some, when you, you'll learn in life, it has nothing to do with this when, this subject, but when somebody's really heard, you've captured them. So I'd really try to understand through a bunch of questioning what that person wanted. And then when you would marry it with the fact that I'd go learn very quickly, but they didn't know that, and I would deliver that thing that they wanted, but on the, it was like fr a Frankenstein with a beautiful wig and makeup. Mm -hmm. But th they didn't know. <laughs> you know, they didn't know what was underneath the covers. So I started believing I could learn anything. And that's the big difference in the story, that previously I thought I was dumb, and school made me feel dumb. And now I felt I could learn very, very quickly. And so that was, it was a huge mindset shift. And then I went on a 
two decade long journey that still continues to today is understanding how I learn, how I thrive, how I collect information. Um, and I've, I've collected a whole bunch of different techniques along the way. But it all started with this belief that I can learn anything and I can learn very quickly. And it became such that I would apply for jobs. Every single job I would apply for, I would be horribly unqualified for. And I have some really terrible stories in interviews where I've been found out in the interview. Ooh. And so, because I believe that I can get through the interview on charm and my previous experience. And then just wing it the whole and way then through. I, and then I really believe I could learn anything. And um, and it was true. I After a, about a year or so, I left that bank for another bank. Oh, wait, this wasn't Merrill. This wasn't... This was Mer- yeah, it was Merrill. And I left Merrill and I went to another bank and this bank was offering twice the money or just a, so four times the money you ever thought you were going to make yes a year later right and i and it, it was funny cuz what i would do is i would ask somebody how much do they make and they would or how and they'll give me this new arbitrary this new number and that would become my goal and i'd go interview and so i would go to that job and i would have to learn everything on the fly and so i became very good at learning quickly to hack solutions but sometimes your greatest feature is also your greatest defect sometimes they're so hacked together you can see through the gaps or you you don't take time to truly learn how to build an elegant solution and so i became very good at tactical solutions that solved real problems Mm mm-hmm and that's in and of itself very, very useful. There are, there are people who are exact opposite who try to build beautiful solutions that are so, so beautiful on an abstract level and the architecture is so elegant and it never actually delivers anything. I was on the other side of the spectrum. And one of the things I've w- I had wished I had learned along the way was a, a more foundational understanding of some of these concepts. So I would never classify myself as a computer scientist Mm -hmm. somebody who delivers big elegant solutions or or i'm the furthest thing from science (laughs) when it comes to what i did but i did become very good at rapidly learning and then the confidence grew and grew and grew and i went to left that company went to another company again where um what I interviewed for, I was radically underqualified. And that became a fixture. I always applied for jobs that I felt I wasn't qualified for because I knew I could learn. And so I think for me, the first thing is the confidence to know that I can learn. I can, I can, jump, into, I can jump into the deep end and learn how to swim. And you think this is going to be the most useful thing? Or you know this is going to be the most useful thing for anybody in the co- from now and for the coming decades. I believe so. I believe the ability to learn and to adapt to two things, adapting and learning, and there's a interplay between them. But yeah, I think that industries are going to shift. I think there's a lot of things over the horizon that nobody really knows, but. There's some things happening. Um, 
whether it be cryptocurrency on the rise of the cryptocurrency ai imagine the computers are learning now literally it's called machine learning right and yeah and the rise of artificial intelligence and you have a lot of smart people working on artificial intelligence and so mundane tasks that can be done over and over and over again will be done by the computer uh we'll get rid e of the need for a human even 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 the mundane tasks of driving people around and things like that uh, they're going to be eliminated in the next 30 years be obsolete they'll be obsolete that's why people like andrew yank they're so concerned about this problem that they're suggesting UBI, which is universal basic basic income, because they believe that large portions of the population are going to be out of jobs. The Wouldn't that create inflation though? If everybody's making, if everybody was at least making the same amount, wouldn't the value of things start to change? Because if everybody's making the same amount now then sellers can well not everyone's going to be making the same amount that's social that's something that looks like socialism his, his idea or his uh, so i know everybody's going to be given a base amount of money and yes. they can add to that i'm saying yes. if everybody's at least making a certain amount of money but that's economic food that's not important right now yeah but yeah but the, the point here is that the concern is so great about the the machines disenfranchising people that people like Andrew Yang are suggesting UBI and it's, it's actually catching on. It's actually catching on as an idea. In many ways, the US and Turkey and a lot of companies are implementing UBI now because of the pandemic because people are not working. So to stop people from rioting and going hungry, they're just printing money. Right? By the way, that's what it causes inflation. Or yeah. One of the major reasons causing <laughs> And so who's going to survive are the people that can learn that those who have fixed thinking or rigid thinking or they've been doing something for many many years and have the mentality of a, you can't teach an, an old dog new tricks it's not going to work for them and and in many ways if you spent a lifetime not learning yeah you you, you it becomes very difficult to teach that old dog new tricks but if you spend a lifetime learning then it just it's something you do it's like i went the other day to multipay to cycle and I found this really elderly man running around the track a 400 meter track and he must have been in his 60s or even early 70s and he looked amazing mm -hmm. you know the, uh, leg muscles much bigger than yours <laughs> 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 but you can tell he's been doing that for a lifetime and so if you spend a lifetime learning and adapting and keeping your brain from atrophying and learning how you learn and thinking about how you learn and learn seeing patterns it doesn't go away. It's when you stop doing that, the, that atrophies. I think that's the, the most important skill to learn is not computer programming or it's not uh, machine learning or mathematics. It's learning how to learn those things relatively quickly. Human learning. Human learning. Because really in the, the next 30 years, who knows what's going to happen? The, the acceleration of innovation is just seems to be following well lagging behind Moore's law a bit but it's just insane it's, it's insane I don't know what the right adjective is but it's it's over almost overwhelming and there's no way to predict it although people you know there's futurists that sit there and try to predict what's going to happen in the future but 
who knows and so one of the core things ideas is this idea of being adaptable and learning how to learn and or learning how you learn specifically and then there's other aspects which is freedom and but that's a different that's a diff- that's for another podcast mm-hmm. not, not being tethered to too many things etc but for me specifically i learned that i needed to control my the insanity of my mind so for me actually taking notes while i'm learning something is very very important because it keeps me on track on track and focused and stopping from going in different directions and mind maps have almost become a mandatory thing for me i have hundreds of mind maps on different subjects and it allows me to draw connections it allows me to synthesize lots of ideas into into um uh, principles that i can understand mnemonics really work well for me what are mnemonics um, it's it's uh m- mechanisms to remember things or creating acronyms out of ideas even for you while you were talking i create an acronym of how you learn what's the acronym right um it's 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 inelegant <laughs> but it's, it's hacked together well, it's, it's hacked, hacked together yeah. but that but i'll sit there and, and that's the way i remember i'll I'll sit there and I'll consume information, put it on mind map, synthesize it into core principles, and then I will create acronyms or mnemonics for me to remember it. And that's one of the key ways I rem- I learn. Another way is, like I said, finding a master that has, has treaded the path. Has treaded the path that I'm trying to tread. And not and 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 asking him a series of questions like for example if i was only going to focus on 20% if i was only l- going to learn 20% of the things what should i learn and by the way one person who's really influenced me is uh, tim ferriss who wrote a book called the 4 hour chef 4 hour chef 4 hour chef didn't he write the 4 hour work week he wrote the 4 hour work week and the 4 hour body and the 4 hour chef but the 4 hour chef is really a book about learning um, and, or meta learning, and there's some cooking in it. It's it's like six books in one, but um, like he has different uh, like the dis d i s s s cafe, different ways of synthesizing lots of informations and learning. But yeah, I almost the visual I want you to think is of the Matrix, where he says. Uh, now I know how to fly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just downloads the information? Yes, like that, you know? But instead of it taking, you know, two seconds, it takes a couple of weeks uh, or less or a couple of days to, to learn something new. And not, of course, you're never going to be world-class at that thing, but they come up with a working knowledge of... You can be ab- above average at many things instead of being incredible at one thing. Yes, while being incredible at one thing. So I believe you should be incredible at one or two things or have depth, but have the ability to have average knowledge. It's above average knowledge in many, many things. Okay. Thank you so much, Bubba. It's It's been a good podcast episode. See you next week. See you, Yusuf.